All right, you guys. I love it that we've let you in. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, it's very, it looks a little strange. Maha, it looks like they're all trying to connect to audio, which I'm not quite sure. Uh, we might want to just check that out. Um, yeah, give me just one second. Okay. And, um, and also, how does my scarf look? New scarf. So I just thought I'd wear something different today. I'm really excited about this webinar. We had, as of this morning, we had 322 people registered for the webinar. We think we're up over about 340 at this point. We expect about 100 people to pop on. And you'll be very pleased we expanded our Zoom so that everybody will be able to get on. I am Sarah Cooperman. I'm the CEO of SCW Fitness Education and Water in Motion and the new SEAT Chair Fitness Program. Um, I've got great presenters with me today. I've got Abby Apple. She's the owner and CEO of Abby Fit Consulting. She created the SCW Pilates certification and the bar certification. She received our Best Presenter Award. She's produced and starred in, you know, Abby, I said it was 30 fitness videos. I, I'm scared. I think it's more. Yeah, I think it's more now. But I think it's more. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think frankly, she could be mania. I really think she could be. Uh, um, and yeah. she's also a master trainer for core health and fitness. Um, she does a lot of Schwinn presentations and the like. So welcome, Abby. And then we have a friend of mine, Sheldon McBee, who's married to a lovely woman named Sarah. Gotta love the name. And Sheldon and I, and I have known each other for, oh my gosh, many years through Les Mills, where he was the former, I think you were the former uh, director of education, right? Yeah, training director and also with core, that Les Mills core program coach and and uh, presenter. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Is there anything else you didn't do? But currently, of course, Sheldon's brilliant. He's got his master's in human nutrition. He's got 20 years of experience, 20 plus years experience in the industry. Um, he's the executive director of Universal Athletic Club, which I'm crossing our fingers. He'll share some of his information, very valuable information from the club. Um, and um, we, he's also one of our favorite presenters at our Mania conferences. And then we have our dear friend, Michelle Leachman, who works with the American Council on Exercise. She's the director of, of the professional education department. She is very detailed oriented. She's where we get all our ACEC from. So she's, she's wonderful to work with. She's a master trainer for core health and fitness. And she's got her master's degree in human movement, performance, and exercise science. Is that right, Michelle? Yeah. Okay, very cool. So today, you guys, we are going to talk about comprehensive core training. Um, many gym, goner, uh, gym goers obsess over the possibility of having visible abs. However, the rectus abdominis, your six-pack muscles, are just what you can see on the outside. And examining the importance of a strong overall core that's what we're going to do today in this webinar. And that we're going to talk about the different muscles associated with the core and how to properly train your clients. So I kind of decided to start with Abby of why is training the core so important? 
Well, as I mentioned a few moments ago, it's the foundation for everything else that you do. So it's this, the center. We know we talk, we always talk about that proximal stability leads to distal mobility. So we're more stable in the center. And as we mentioned also that your core is the bridge between your lower body and your upper body. So um, your lower extremities and your upper extremities. So stabilizing your spine, stabilizing your pelvis and stabilizing your scapula are important to all movement. Um, also, we know that your core reacts to all movement that you do. Any plane of motion, any position, your core has to engage. And then um, lastly, anytime your foot strikes the ground. So we were talking about this earlier, but I know a lot of people and probably fitness professionals, not so much as consumer, think that the core only engages when you're doing a plank or a crunch and most likely in a crunch. And they always think it's just the abdominals. Um, but we know that the core really works functionally, functionally when you're standing, when you're doing movement standing. So every time your foot strikes the ground, when you're walking, when you're running, squatting, lunging, any of those types of movements, gait, your core has to engage. So we want our cores to work so that we're more functional and functional meaning that activity. And I know Michelle was mentioning this earlier, but activities of daily living. And so we're able to function better in our regular life. Yeah, I love that. I love that you talked about the bridge. I love that you talk about the reaction of the body. And I love that you talk about the foot strike because you're absolutely right, Abby. Frankly, I think a sit-up is when I'm using my core and you forget about other muscles. Um, one thing I want you guys to do that around this webinar, we have so many people that are registered. If you've got questions, we actually listen to them, we read them and we respond to them. So if you move your mouse and you go to the bottom of your screen, to the left of that green share button is the chat box. You can type in right now your name and where you're from. I see people from New Rochelle, New York, North Carolina, Springfield, Missouri, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, um, Abby is the queen. I love that one. <laughs> I love these comments. Um, <clears throat> and thank you, Diana, for loving my scar. Okay. <laughs> um, now, Sheldon, you brought up something very interesting. We were talking about the core being the bridge, but you also were talking about the, the upper body and the shoulders and how that reacts and the things we need to train to make sure that we're stable and we can effectively train our clients. Yeah, that's, I mean, this is really important. I think many of our clients who consider core training, why should I do it? Quite often, as we mentioned before, I want to, you know, get a six pack. I want to tighten my midsection. And it's easy to forget that the core is so much more than that. There are muscles that are above it and below it that impact how the core responds to like external stimuli, walking, running, throwing, um, anything like that. So this includes uh, the muscles of the hip complex is your glute maximus, glute medius, minimus. These are your shoulder stabilizers. These muscles not only need to be strong, but they need to have great mobility. If they lack mobility, sometimes we'll tend to move around and this force from picking up things, throwing or exercising, will just start to load into the lumbar spine when it's trying to move out of a neutral position as really, and it's really can exacerbate uh, degeneration of the spine. And nobody wants that. This is very important to know. So it's not just the six pack muscles, the obliques, internal, external, erector spinae muscles. It's the muscles that stabilize and move the hip and shoulder complex as well. But Sarah, I, I want to add one more thing. When we're talking about muscle right now. I want to land a point that 
the core, it, you have to also consider the core, your spine and your pelvis. Okay. The, this spot, the spine is able to move around. And of course it increases in mobility. The more you travel up the spine to the thoracic and cervical, but really the spine has a lot of passive tissue that doesn't like a lot of load. So all these beautiful core muscles that we're about to talk about here are meant to prevent it from accepting a lot of load. So when you start thinking core and talking to your clients and the people taking your class about what the core is, it is a good idea to talk about the spine. You are trying to protect this bony tower from accepting load so that you can live a long uh, and, and um, you know, um, functional life without losing your ability to move without pain. This is as important for people. And I think, you know, your mother, I always bring this up. Your mother always told you, brush your teeth. You've only got one set of teeth. Well, considering I fell and broke my jaw and I knocked out six teeth, you can always get your teeth replaced. It's very hard to get your spine replaced. That's one of the most painful, scary surgeries out there. So maintaining the musculature, like you said, Sheldon, really helps um, support those bony processes as well as the disc. We got some great questions here. Michelle, I'm going to throw some of them at you. Um, Sir, can I jump in on one thing? Oh, yes, please go ahead. I want to piggyback off what Sheldon said. And Sheldon, your, your brain is exactly where mine was in terms of the spine. And we're talking so much about the musculature. Um, something that I've dealt with the past two years, I had torn my rectus abdominis, that bottom of your six pack muscles out of my pelvic cavity. And so it's been two years of lots and lots of doctors to figure out what was going on. If it was a sports hernia related and what it ended up coming down to was I have an anterior cutaneous um, nerve entrapment syndrome. So talking about the nerves and all of that connection throughout the spine is incredibly important when we're working with our clients as well, because many of them may have suffered injuries. And that's something to take into account too, when we're not just talking about the musculature, but so much from our spinal cord involves those nerves that come all the way across our core, all the way throughout our trunk. And there's, we did get a question from Diana who she wanted to know, what about people who complain about their necks hurting or they can't go to the floor to do um, their ab work? Are there standing um, core work alternatives they can do? And then how do we deal with the neck musculature and um, vertebrae? I think that's a great question. And I've had clients before where they have a lot of strength in their lower body, but as soon as you load the shoulder, weakness occurs. And typically we attribute that to being that entire trunk needing to gain in that strength. But we've said it a few times now, stability is very, very important. So I love the question on, can you do standing upright positions? And absolutely, there is a whole variety where you dig into the trunk. Sheldon mentioned the glutes are involved, that whole pelvic area is involved, the lumbar spine. Um, so different exercises. It was Diana, I, I believe, um, yeah. or Diane. I would suggest that uh, anything rotational-wise, because that's one of your primary movement patterns, rotation or your hinge, those are two really good exercise um, kind of genres, categories that you can do when you're in that upright position and then slowly build to strengthen and stabilize that core. So then slowly over time, you've built up that strength where you can elevate to coming down on the ground where you have more core strength built up that should overall stabilize that whole spine, which comes up into your cervical. And that would be helpful for your neck. 
So anything from a lunge where you have that final uh, rotational twist, um, you can do standing obliques where you're taking those weights down to the side, trailing along your IT band. There's a whole variety of different standing upright exercises that definitely would strengthen and stabilize your core. And Abby, I think you typed in an answer for, um, I think Kathleen also asked, what are the best standing core moves? Please give us a few. And you answered, and I think you said squat and deadlift and bent over row. Can you please elaborate on that? Yeah, I can. So compound movements, compound movements, specifically ones that, and I, um, I know we were talking about this a few moments ago with Sheldon, but the glutes, huge. People, I think, underestimate the glutes. You know, we talk because everybody wants to see their abdominals. That's a whole different story. But the glutes are, um, for most people, either they are weak, they're underused, they could have injuries that don't allow them to use their glutes the way they need to use their glutes. But the glutes stabilize the pelvis, the lumbar spine. And, and if there's weakness in the hip, typically com comes from the glute, it leads up the chain and down the chain. So we know that compound movements, movements that use more than one muscle group, have to use the entire core. And so squats, as an example, people don't realize that squatting and deadlift are two of the best core exercises that are out there. And they don't, re they don't require you to come down to the floor. They don't require you to do, I mean, planking is great, but don't forget planking is almost like, um, what's the word? Um, it's, we think of a plank as being a prone plank all the way down on the ground, either on your forearms or on your hands. But planking is almost like, um, almost psychological because you could do that even at an angle um, leaning up against the wall. Planking is all about that active, that active engagement of the core, that tension you're trying to create in the core. So we create that tension in the core and then we can add in things like squats and the deadlift, which we know a deadlift basically is a hinge with a plank. So those movements by themselves are fantastic core exercises. And it goes back to, you know, we, I think we were talking about this earlier about people, you know, wanting to engage those muscles. They want to see the abdominals. They want to do, they want to do the movements that will train their six pack. And I don't think they realize that squatting and deadlift and doing bent over rows are training those muscles, the rectus abdominis, as much as doing your plank or doing your crunch. So I, and I speak for myself. I really, I know you see my, my probably seen some of the movements that I do online. And yes, I throw in a few sit-ups here and there and a few crunches, but for the most part, I don't really do a lot of crunches or sit-ups on my own. My workouts involve more stability in the spine. So less, our, our spine, yes, it's meant to rotate, but really um, most importantly, are people able to resist rotation? Because that's where people get injured. Are they able to resist? So I love what you said, Michelle, about doing rotational movements. I think that in addition to doing movements where you actually resist. So if you were to hold, hold something and have somebody pulling on one, other side, on one side where you have to resist the rotation, that is equally as important to, cre um, to creating that tension in the core. Oh, I like that. And Sheldon, do you have other, I mean, you work with personal training clients constantly. You work with men and women and, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, pregnancy, everything. Um, yeah. So what are some other core movements that you might recommend? Well, Abby, I really kind of perked up when you talked about um, protecting the spine through loaded. Here's the thing, like it's so important that the spine in and of itself, there's a lot of passive tissue that hugs the spine between the intervertebral discs. There's ligaments that hold it upright. But honestly, if you strip away all the muscle tissue, it's going to fold under very little amount of weight, the spine itself. And it doesn't like, it doesn't like load. Here's the spine, it does not like it. It buckles easily. 
So when you start adding load and moving the spine here and moving the spine there, it, it, even though the cervical spine can move around, it just does create joint laxity, which increases the risk of injury. And it is really ideal to work on anti-movement training, anti-rotation, anti-side flexion, anti-extension. And, um, and, you know, these things are great for the spine. So um, some of the, like talking about standing exercises, and Abby talked about a bridge. You do have to imagine your core is a bridge between your lower limbs and your upper limbs. Can you only imagine I'm holding a bat? If I'm holding a bat and in between the bat is a spring, here's the wood, here's a spring, and here's a bat. If I try to hit a wall or something like that, the spring's going to give and I've got no power. But if it's all made out of wood and I strike, I'm going to hit with a lot of force. And this is your core bracing. So when you're doing standing exercises, squatting, deadlifting, bent over rows are brilliant. You can also integrate moves that force your upper body to try to move load uh, um, away from the spine in a safe pattern while the lower limbs are trying to move at the same time. As long as you have the shoulder mobility and you keep your shoulders in a safe position, you could try a non-loaded overhead squat. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're cueing really well how to maintain a neutral spine while you do it, you get great core activation and, and anti-flexion. You may try carries. Carries are a brilliant uh, exercise, a unilateral carry. We have one load, like one kettlebell, one double on one side and aim to do a, a regular gated walk. This is your anti-side flexion, um, lateral flexion pattern. The spine is not moving, yet you're still conditioning an exercise where you normally you bend in a lateral position and bending a joint that's not designed to bend. Even though it can bend, it doesn't like to bend against load. So if, if I were you guys as coaches and trainers and instructors, try to integrate the upper body while the lower body is moving at the same time, maintaining a neutral spine. Um, chops, lifts, carries, deadlifts, these are all brilliant things to do while standing. And like Michelle said before, at some point, you can start doing some assessment on the spine. If you're happy with spinal neutral, neutral if you're doing a, spinal, uh, a, a core assessment, they can then work themselves to the ground. But and it's really, it, it's really nice, Sheldon. Maybe you can explain this as well. Some of these deceleration movements, you know, that that we're trying to stabilize the spine against um, uh, impact or or movement that's coming towards us. It's almost as though we're working the musculature eccentrically rather than concentrically, which will help hypertrophy the muscles a little bit quicker. And if you want hypertrophy and you want the six pack to show, you know, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Um, Abby, you also spoke about just body types for goodness sakes. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, well, this, this started out with Michelle talking about diet and how your diet, because, you know, we say that you just mentioned that abs are made in the kitchen and how your diet is so important. If you ever want to see, um, you know, we all have a six pack. We all have a rectus abdominis. Can you see it? Is there, are you lean enough that you can see it? And it really comes down to that. Um, I'm lucky. I mean, yes, I do eat well. I eat pretty well, I'm not, but I'm not perfect. I mean, most of you, I'm not perfect with my diet. Okay. We already know that. Um, but I have a long torso and I think it's important to understand body types that I have a very, I have a long torso. So I don't carry a lot of weight in my waist. I care if I carry weight, at least right now, I heard when I get old, when you get a little bit older, it all goes to your, your waist, but that's older. We'll talk about that another day. But right now I carry my weight in my lower body, not in my waist because I have a longer torso, but I know people that have a short torso 
it's much harder, and I'm speaking anecdotally, it's much harder for them to see um, their abdominals, the ones they wanna see if they have a shorter torso because they carry their weight, their mind is kind of spread out throughout my entire torso. So it's a little easier for me. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. And we I'm have still to gonna be. post the pictures. I've had four kids who are not seeing me in a bikini. Okay, I'm just sharing. And you you get stretched out, man. And yeah, it's elastic. And you've got all these hormones in your body that'll pull everything back in. Um, it just doesn't always pull it in enough. And so there are some people that it's really going to show. And it's other people that it's going to be the functional awareness. Um, and I did really appreciate, Michelle, that you brought this up about um, the nutrition aspect of, of poor training, you know, if we do want to see this. I thought that was very, very important. Um, what are some, Michelle, what are some of the less discussed muscles of the core and how can we train them properly? So oftentimes when I am working in either large group settings or I still hear it very common, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but when I hear people refer to the core, they refer to the muscles that they can see. We're not talking um, our serratus interior. We're not talking our linea alba. I mean, people can only see and they're assuming that it's just these abs right in front. Um, so I think it's, it's been covered a little bit. If you were to detach your arms and your legs, uh, everything in the middle there is going to be your core. But some of the muscles that um, I know, Sheldon, you've mentioned this a few times, but what muscles when we refer to the core that are somewhat forgotten about are exactly as we've discussed with the glutes being a key factor. Um, when we talk about um, carrying, that's going to involve your shoulders. So it does all come together in many ways. But some of the muscles that are definitely forgotten about are, I, I would attest to say that pelvic area, your glutes, I mean, I, I wanna sit here and like point to all of the different places throughout the body, but also all throughout the back, all throughout our back muscles, our latissimus dorsi, everything is going to play into those forgotten muscles when we talk about the core, the more well-rounded we can be as a whole. So that functionality in training, not forgetting, not, centralizing and making it so isometric. I feel that core training can be so isolated to specific groups that it has to be much more well-rounded and that has to be built into an entire program in order to overall see results, which I know we're going to get to when we talk about functionality here in just a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and also um, we did have a question come up. People think their core is all about the, um, the anterior is all about the front of the body. They don't think about the back. And to be honest with you, if you want to look better, you work two times your back muscles to one time your front. You know, Abby, you're nodding. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Because posture is so key and just the way you hold your body position is so important. Right. So I, I think I've, met, I've talked about this a lot that I really, I don't, I hate, sorry, I don't train the front of my body that much. I really don't. I mean, I train the back of my body. Yes. I mean, I, and I refer to everything kind of as a push or a pull versus I'm going to train chest and shoulders today. All right. I know chest and shoulders are going to be involved, but it's more of a push because there's so much more involved in a push your core is involved. So I train mostly the back of my body. And I think about what we do all day long. And even if we're on our phones and our computers, our posture, our posture, which is habitual. So it's something you have to think about all the time. 
think about the weight of your head. And I know you were mentioning, um, Sheldon, you didn't talk about, I know you didn't say this exactly, but we're talking about how your spine, if you strip away all the muscles, really doesn't, doesn't want to hold that much load. So think about the weight of your head, even pulling you forward all day long. So I'm always training the back of my body, but I'm always thinking about posture. And I think one of the other muscles that might be overlooked of core is the diaphragm and how breathing, your breathing muscle, your diaphragm, your diaphragm connects to your pelvic floor. So you think about when you inhale, what happens to your diaphragm? What does it come, comes down? And it, hopefully you're lifting your pelvic floor and connecting your diaphragm. And that helps to enhance your posture. It helps to um, enhance the use of your core muscle. So breathe, and we know the diaphragm is a breathing muscle. So I think those, those I, we, I know that we all know pelvic floor, but diaphragm is so much more important than um, people talk about in breathing with some of these exercises, how important, not just breathing, but breathing and coordinating your breathing with some of the movements helps to stay, helps to engage and stabilize your core as well. And Sheldon, what type of exercises do you focus on to encourage proper posture and alignment when your clients come to you and it's like, I really need to trim here. It's like, honey, <laughs> you, know, you can do as many sit-ups as you want, but if you don't start strength training all the muscles in your body, you're not going to burn fat. But uh, you know, how do you work with your clients to make them understand that, see it, feel it? Well, quite often what I will do is I, I, I know why some of my clients come to me. They have a certain result that they want to get. And I always relate any kind of core training that directly impacts that as IQ. So I'm, I'm going to talk outside of the uh, biomechanics just for a second here, um, because, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have one client who'll say to me, hey, look, you know, I just want to be an active grandmother for my grandkids. And, and, and this is what a client I do have. She, and I said to her, well, why is this important? Well, she said, because my time with my, them are very, is very important to me and I, and I value it. I said, look, by doing these particular patterns a certain way, it's just going to enhance this experience for you. So this is why we're going to work more on your posture than on the six pack. So I, I try to just relate it to, to their why. This is a simple, it's an old school coaching thing. But to answer your question on specifically, what are you doing for posture? I, I always do an FMS on everyone who I train, first of all. It's a functional movement screen. I always do it. I always check for shoulder mobility. I check for hip mobility. And I try to identify some things and I will correct a pattern if I don't, if they don't clear on a certain aspect of the FMS, but particularly for posture, you know, you just kind of think of a common fault. So a lot of times people will round off their shoulders when they're attempting to lift load, or they will, um, they will tend to have a lordotic spine if they have, if they tend to have um, a bit, if they tend to have a bit of tightness in an aspect of their hips. I try to focus on a lot of just external cueing that helps them correct that very easy. And I, I can't go into the whole world of external cue and I can be here for two hours talking about that. But um, I was one of the, my favorite exercises, if you guys want to pick one to do, are doing floor slides and wall slides. They're great exercises to do regularly with your, your clients. You literally have them lie supine on the floor, knees bent at 90 and feet flat on the floor. And they slide their arms in a wide W up and down, main, trying to maintain their wrists on the ground. And it starts to condition the muscles that externally rotate the shoulder and the muscles in between, you know, the rhomboids, the uh, lower trapezius to stay active. So when they start exercising, the muscles are buzzing a little bit more while they train. And I just start cueing a straight back. Um, but to add That's on to that, uh, yeah, just one more quick thing that I'm done here. Um, 
the, we're talking about muscles that aren't really recognized that, that much in, in core training. And there are muscles that exist externally. These are the ones that we see obliques, your uh, abdomen, your uh, rectus abdominis, your, your lower back, your rectus spinae, and those muscles underneath that transversus multifidus. And these muscles, you don't see it. They tend to buzz a lot and just keep your spine straight without lifting a lot of load. Um, if you're cueing and you're coaching your clients, one of the most important things to do is just highlight to engage by tightening hard. A lot of us coach a lot about narrowing the spine and hollowing the spine and drawing the belly in. These are very good cues. You can do it, but that doesn't serve your client very well when they're starting to lift real weights. It's just focusing on embracing and pulling your shoulder blades together. That just helps them move better. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I love all that advice. I think it's fantastic. And we've got some interesting questions. And I don't know, Michelle, Sheldon, Abby, I'm not sure if you guys can answer this. But we've had questions, <laughs> excuse me, about osteoporosis and core work, about spondylol. Uh, I'm going to hopefully I can pronounce this correctly. My mother had this. Um, my favorite cousin, Ronnie, she's got this spondylolosis where you get the narrowing of the base of the spine. And these are things that happen with age. And a lot of them, uh, it, it, we cannot prevent it. We can stave it off by staying in shape and exercising, but mostly the majority of this is genetic. Um, do you guys work with any clients like this? And are there preventative exercises and are there productive exercises that can help at least stave off the progression? Open season, throwing it out there. The cats were like, chirp. <laughs> okay, Abby, you well, opened your mouth. You have I'll to answer. I don't, I honestly, I don't, most of the people I, I train classes. You guys know that I teach classes, I'll, I'll, everybody I teach, but I have, you know, a variety of people in my class. And I ask, I ask everybody, is there anything that you want to tell me before we start this class? Is there something I need to know before we start? And a lot of people don't want to, but hopefully they'll come in early and they'll give me some information. So there are certain movements that I might suggest rather than doing other movements for individuals that might have this. I do ask them, you know, what their doctor allows them to do, because I think that's first and foremost, we have to know to what degree they have it. It's really important and what their doctor or physical therapist will allow them to do. So I try to, I try to dive a little bit deeper in and find out because I, you know, I know a lot of it, you, you can't re, you can't reverse it. My grandmother had it as well. And so at one point she couldn't stand up straight any longer. That was it. We're done. So all we're trying to do now is stabilize the area so it doesn't get worse and they can feel less pain and it can, of course be more functional. So I have to do modifications and I love what, I think Michelle has some great stuff in there about doing, you know, knee, cause when we think plank, Plank is a great exercise. We love it. We think full out long on the forearms plank, full body, full lever length, the whole thing. But plank, planking to me is also doing a quadruped. Quadruped could be on the floor, knees and hands, or your quadruped could actually just be shifting your weight onto a chair. You could be, you could be bent over and shifting your weight onto a chair. So shifting from your hands to your feet and putting weight on the chair and back and forth. So you feel, you can feel how your, your core engages. So those, those might be some safer options um, for people that have that. But again, I, I always come back to this. I'm like, okay, we can do a lot of standing, you know, anti, anti um, rotation movements, anti flexion movements, standing. But again, it comes back to what, what their doctors allowing them to do. Cause a lot of them are not even allowed yes. to do any more spinal flexion. And I do, I love that you brought up, we've got to consult with their physicians. We've got to consult with their physical therapists. 
but most people know I'm a lawyer. You've got to make sure you get the release from the physician that they can exercise. And typically they will tell you what the um, client can or can't do. So asking the physician, asking the physical therapist, that's a great way to document, but please, please get the release. It's an informed consent form and get, make sure you get that annually. And since, you know, a lot of our clients haven't seen us for a little over two years now, make sure you please get that release from people. Um, because, and, and again, I would do it annually. I think that that's very important. And I think, Abby, what you brought up is when people have osteoporosis or a fused spine or the spondylosis, it's about strengthening all the core muscles. Sheldon, you brought up the upper body. Um, Abby, you brought, you brought up the deadlifts. And Michelle, you brought up nutrition, you know, even before we turned the camera on, watching general weight also helps alleviate some of that spinal um, uh, 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 effort that's being put on the spine, stress. Thank you, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, how can we convince our clients that functionality rather than aesthetics are key? Now I'm shooting at you, Michelle, because you were the one who brought up Instagram stars. Sorry, Abby, we know you're one of them, but you thank God you're educated. But there's a lot of 22-year-olds out there jumping around telling us what you can do to get a six-pack. And I'm like, you know what I could do? I could drop about 40 years off my age. I would look fabulous. Um, and probably a few kids on there as well. But Michelle, how do we do this? How do we convince our clients that functionality rather than aesthetics is key? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so to touch on the social media for a hot second here, Abby is incredibly educated. So she is not just some... Oh, what do we call it? Um, enthusiast, nice. fitness enthusiast. Yeah. We see a lot of those and we see a lot of fitness enthusiasts who say it's a one size fits all because their body looks a specific way. Again, we've talked about genes and whatever it may be, age is a huge factor, but knowing that it's absolutely not a one size fits all, I'm in my early thirties and I have nerves that don't want to let me walk half of the time in my core. So I, anything can happen. It's definitely not a one size fits all, but also just following individuals who have very, very solid education behind them is a huge game changer. When we're talking about the aesthetics and the functionality piece, it comes down to this is a behavior change. A lot of our clients, group fitness, whatever we're in one on one, when we're talking either to the masses or individuals, we're wanting to get them away from the idea that you're not just aiming to have this gorgeous six pack because that's not something that you're likely going to sustain over time. You're looking to implement more of that behavior change where you're working on flexibility. We haven't talked too much on flexibility yet, but you're talking about flexibility. Abby brought it up with the breathing. We're talking about range of motion. Overall, we're getting everything to activities of daily lifting because we all know that, I mean, I don't know about anybody else on this, today, but I am that person who wants to carry 10 grocery bags on each arm up two flights of stairs into our condo. And that takes some core strength. And so we're constantly striving to do all of these activities of daily living, everything just from getting out of bed in the day, twisting your legs across your body. There's so many minor movements that we're talking about. And the more and more we can do those with ease to prevent from injury, that's really where we're wanting to get our clients, get our classes 
away from this idea that it's not just aesthetics, it's not just the highlight reels that we see all over social media. We're wanting to create this behavior change where we can sustain it throughout the next 50 years of our lives so that, you know, we are Betty Whites out there being able to do whatever um, at 99 years old. So it comes down for me when I answer this is, is it's, it's, it's behavior change. Behavior change. Yes, I all of, I really like that. And Abby, I know you do you you do several workshops on core Sheldon as well. Um, and I think Michelle, you have one as well. How if our clients are striving for the six pack and they crave those sit-ups, do you give it to them? Abby, do you you know you got you gotta you gotta give them a little bit, makes them kind of happy, right? Well, okay. And you've seen my, I'm sure you guys have seen me on Instagram. I do a few here and there. It depends on who's in the class. And I, I, again, you might have 20 people in your class and they all have different goals in one of the, one of the people might just have that goal of six pack abs. Okay. So can I give them more than that? Can I educate them a little bit more to tell them that, okay, yes, you're going to work your abs doing this exercise, but there are better core exercises that we're going to do in this class today. Um, I, I give you, I give you one example. There was a, there was a, I won't name the club and I won't name the class because if I said it, you would know both and you, you'd be like, Oop, busted. Let's just call the class awesome abs. Okay. And I know there's a workshop out there. Awesome abs. That's not what it is. So let's call it awesome abs. And this class in the description said no crunches. It said no crunches right off the bat. That class had the worst participation of all the classes. It started out great. And then it slowly the participation, participation waned and it ended up with, you know, they ended up taking it off the schedule and they tried to keep it on at all their clubs around the country, you know, promoting like crazy, but nobody wanted to come. So my philosophy on this is I know that, that crunches are not the best exercise. There are other exercises that are way better for your core. Can you do, can a healthy spine do a few crunches or spinal flexion? Yes. I can a healthy spine do it. Yes. I, and I, you know, my joke on this is that there are other things that you do on your back that might be more aggressive than doing a crunch. That's it. All right. So if you do a few in your class and you know, people are okay with doing it and they've got no, you know, and I do I give them, I give them modifications if, if I know they've got other issues, but I tried, I try to do lots of things in class. I try to give them multiple anatomical positions. So on the ground, standing, kneeling sideways, you know, planking, rotation, anti-rotation, a little bit of flexion in the class. If I blend it in and if they feel their abs a little bit in class, you know, the little burn that everybody wants to feel. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you give them that little burn in their abs, they feel like the class and they feel like the workout is complete. So my philosophy on this is that if people, if they come to my class because that's what they want, they want six packs, I'm fine, they want, I'm fine with that. I try to educate them and give them more than that. So they know that it's consistency. And as Michelle was saying, it really comes down to ch making changes in your life. So if I can get them to come back every week, knowing that 90% of the population doesn't exercise enough, if they think they're going to get a couple crunches and they're going to get a six pack, they're going to get six pack to abs, I'm going to educate them, but I'm going to give them just enough that they, they keep coming back. Cause I know that's the most, the most important thing. Yeah, that's, it's interesting. Liz, one of the clients who said, she is a 70-year-old client that insists on being, being able to do sit-ups. He's got a larger stomach. He's got a weak core. 
but you know, she told him over and over again, they're not necessary um, to gain st core strength, but it's hard to convince these people. Um, it, uh, uh, Abby, that was a great somewhat conclusory for how we're gonna do this. Sheldon and Michelle, if you were gonna leave us with something, why is training the core so important or what's your favorite way to train the core? I'm hitting up on you now, Michelle, for a closing. Yeah, this, this is a little different from necessarily just exercising, but this is something that either I've worked through, struggled with, or I have a lot of um, female clients. They want to be more comfortable wearing a sports bra to classes, to gyms. They want to feel more like they are part of an inclusive environment. And Oftentimes the question that comes with that is how can I make my core look better? I get, I get that all the time. And so uh, kind of what we've talked about consistency, staying with it, consistency. I, I've offered little tools such as when somebody's driving, hold your core together nice and tight. Don't stop breathing because you're going to crash, but just little things that you can do throughout your day to continuously just keep that as a little reminder of your making again that behavior change but I, I i mean that's something that i see a lot is that a lot of women are they feel either too insecure to wear a sports bra um, or a crop top um and some women absolutely just go for it and they love it um but i do want to just leave it with the big key on how i train my clients when it's core specific is it's an overall behavior change because you can't again just isolate one specific area We've been talking about sit-ups. You can't just do sit-ups and expect overnight that something's going to happen. It's, it's incorporating a huge lifestyle change from nutrition to strengthening throughout the quads all the way up throughout your entire trunk. That's great. That's great. And Sheldon? Yeah. Um, if I could kind of just bring it down to the, the smallest parts, there's two, there's two reasons that you train your core and you want to land this point with your clients. It is to say they perform better, which can go many different ways, and they don't get hurt. They don't get hurt. Being not hurt is just as sexy as having abs, okay? So it's just a matter of being able to uh, brand it the right way. This is really a branding issue, you know? Um, how amazing does it feel to be able to get up, move around, and feel like you're 10 years younger? How terrible would it feel if you cannot do that? Well, this is how you get what you want. It's this way. And so it's a matter of just, re we, and we need to rally as coaches and trainers that come together that you don't need to bend, twist, and rotate the spine to get a great looking core. I highly encourage everyone to go to my spine sparing core workshop next week on Sunday. The entire class, there, there is no rotating of the spine whatsoever. It's entirely anti-spinal movement exercises. And you'll see that you're going to get an incredibly effective workout. Um, and perhaps that can inspire you to go home to your clients and say, you know, I can put something together that really makes sense. And you know what? I can sell this. I can sell the idea of performing better and um, mitigating injury. That's the key. That's great. That's great. All right, you guys. I, I'm going to share a new video with, with you all. Here we go. I am obsessed with mania conventions. Make sure you get yourselves to a mania. It is a game changer, a life changer. It changed my life. SEW Mania. This is a place to make relationships. People who come to this event all the time, we see each other. It's like, hey, I remember you. I got certified at the conference. 
just two weeks later, teaching full-time, loving it, students are loving it. Never have I gone to a conference like this before, and I was welcomed with open arms. So this is great. So I hope to see you all at one of our live events. Um, very exciting news. Uh, next week in Colorado, they're lifting the max mask requirement for indoors for everyone who's vaccinated. They're lifting it February 28th in the Chicago area. They're lifting it in the Washington DC area, I believe February 28th as well and San Francisco area, February 28th as well. So, oh my gosh, we're being able to come live. Um, be safe, everybody. I can't wait to see your smiling faces. I wanna thank you, Sheldon, for joining us. Really appreciate you stepping in. Michelle Leachman, love having you. Thank you for all you do for ACE and what you do for STW. Abby, you're a rock star. I love you. <laughs> Take care, everybody. All right. Have a good night. And thank you, Meha, for running this webinar and Sean for training her. Okay. Thank you, guys. Bye. Have a great night. Night, everybody.